Hello, and welcome to the Counterpress Podcast. I am your host, Kirk Kinsey, and with me, as always, I have Josh Cacho. Josh, how are you? Three points is always a good night. Yes, it is. We will be giving you our instant reaction to the LAFC victory over the New England Revolution, 2 nothing at the Big Razor Blade. Um, another three points, as Josh said, which I believe takes our total to 52. Is that right, Josh? Yeah, 52 on the season. 52 points, which is still on record to outdo the Red Bulls from last year, even though I feel like that's kind of breaking that record now is kind of the standard. I think Red Bulls broke it last year, and then before that, the I think Toronto had had beaten it the year before. Is that I think yeah, I'm right Toronto about that, had know? said it in that kind of where they looked like probably the best team in all of Concacaf heading into um, you know Champions League, and then Red Bull mm-hmm. said it last year, kind of fizzled out towards the end, and then now hopefully we you know have learned from some of their mistakes and can change things up a little bit. Right, right. Okay, uh, we got a goal from. Um, let's see. The first goal was from Diego Rossi on this absurd chip. Uh, and I think, uh, in his post game interview with somebody, he admitted that that was probably more of a cross. Um, but we won't tell anybody if he just, if he wants to keep that to himself, I don't know. Um, and then the second was from Latif blessing. Interestingly enough, it came shortly after I tweeted out that, uh, Latif blessings shot, (laughs) uh, his finishing ability and his shooting ability is one of the weaknesses of our offense. And I had to eat some crow there, but I was happy to do it. So we're going to get into this game here. Josh, why don't you go ahead and kick it off with uh, a tactical note that you noticed? Um, I think from the very beginning, and I tweeted out online um, earlier in the start, or at the start, was that I think it was important to note that Vela was positioned at the number nine today. Um, and I think given the rumors, and you know, at this point it's more, seems like it's more or less done at this point, um, going through a little bit of the um, final stages in terms of bringing over the Uruguayan winger, Brian Rodriguez. Um, and again, from after going back and forth with LAFC Vince, you know, that's Vince LaRose, if you guys haven't, if you haven't followed him, great insider, um, works, you know, there's a lot with inside LAFC. Um, and I believe he's the head of digital um, content over at the club, um, but didn't notice, didn't um, kind of go back and forth with us saying that, you know, to expect Vela to feature in that number nine spot a little bit more. And again, I think the biggest thing is probably in preparation for our new DP signing to be coming through and featuring on the wing with Rossi. Um, again, Vela in that position, you know, knows exactly what he's doing. And it's, it's a move towards a, to do basically a full Barcelona Pep Guardiola Barcelona setup where you have Messi in that false nine position with the wingers out wide. Um, and again, I think he's likely setting up to do something, Bob setting up to do something similar again with, with Carlos Vela, putting him in the middle there. Again, he's always compared him to um, Lionel Messi from the very beginning since he got to the club. And again, it looks like it's that next evolution in terms of Bob having his, you know, his perfect project here at the club. And again, it'll it'll be it'll be interesting to see how it works out. You know, obviously we're excited to see what Rodriguez will be able to do, and again, what kind of um, chemistry he has with with Diego Rossi and Carlos Vela. But obviously, we're going to have to see also how this affects some of the team chemistry if that pushes. You know, what happened to Christian Ramirez, who hasn't featured in what I believe since the Open Cup game, he hasn't played. 
been a while. Yeah. Yeah. I think Dio has basically played 90 minutes over the, over the last three, four games or so. Um, you know, which is which is going to be awesome to have Dio firing all c- cylinders, especially if we're, if the plan is to bring him on at the you know 60th minute or so, or basically when we we you know we're chasing a goal to have him become that game changing forward. Um, you know, just let him be a bull in a china shop at that point when we've when the front three is already worn down the defense. Um, yeah, so I think like I said, that'll be that was the biggest tactical change that we saw from the team today, right? Mm-hmm. Um, in terms of just how his positioning was, where he dropped into the middle of the field. You saw him do it against Atlanta a couple of times where he would drop down. And I think it led to this one of the goals in the Atlanta game where he drops into the, down into the midfield, carries the ball towards the middle of the field. And then that springs, um, I believe it was Mark Anthony Kay on the Dio goal. Um, and so, again, I think at this point we'll kind of see what it looks like going forward with, um, you know, with Villa there. You know, some, you know, obviously I think as a pure scorer, he's probably more, more influential out on that right-hand side. But if in a perfect, in a perfect system or, you know, in Bob's perfect world, what we're likely to see is a fully rotating front three, you know, which will be exciting to see, you know, his, his pet project come to life. Yeah. I, I think it'll actually, you mentioned that it might hurt some of his scoring opportunities. I think it may end up helping him in the long run. Um, just because I think teams are starting to catch up with what we're doing with him on the right side, where a lot of times you'll see a fullback just kind of delay him, delay him, show him outside, and then kind of forcing him to either go to the line and cross it in with his right foot, which is definitely not what he prefers to do, or to come back on the left. And then it seems like for the past four or five matches, every time he does, the center back will pop out to take that away, and then that's when the fullback will come and press. And uh, and make to look attack uh, look to make a tackle excuse me so i think maybe you know given with a little more versatility on the right wing um and him coming in to in centrally i think it might help him get a few a few better looks where he doesn't have to do it all himself on the right side so i, yeah, I think if that. anything if anything right it, it basically prevents that double team from occurring mm-hmm. right so what they were what a lot of teams were starting to do was cutting off that in you know cutting off that when his, his ability to cut inside with that left foot right and then be able to either take that shot off the left foot or you know or be able to play that play a through ball right but what was happening was that the the midfielders are crashing down along with the fullback and then the center back you're saying basically plays the end line right so you have three guys basically shutting off any of his options well now that he's playing through the middle right he's has he has that room to be able to make make those decisions find the wingers out wide, get service from either one of them. And I think that may be, you know, where, you know, Rodriguez will fit in perfectly, who is, you know, seems to be a little, you know, a guy who likes to set up his teammates for goals. And so that interplay and how those two work at the top of the box, you know, should be, you know, should be fun to watch with at the same time, Diego Rossi basically making those late runs, um, you know, getting in behind the defense and seeing what he can do, you know, with with space to move. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, another thing is I also realized that in the past few episodes, we've talked a lot about Diego Rossi coming in centrally as well. Um, and the, here, here we are changing the narrative. It's just interesting to see uh, in the past couple games, you see Rossi come in against Atlanta, and he plays a lot centrally. And then today, I feel like you saw Vela do it more, um, both and both having success doing so. And I think even with Rossi's goal today, where you see this ball kind of played forward and he's got space, um, like you were saying in our last episode to run under it 
and make a quick play. And I, I think in this one, if I remember correctly, it's he either heads it or chests it down to himself and then plays the chip over the keeper. So again, like you were saying, it's not this, uh, it's not him with his foot on the ball trying to decide what to do. It's, it's rather instinctive. So, yeah, I think it, it was, it was basically off his chest and then one touch yeah, off yeah. that from there, you know, so just control and then volley, which again, I think that's when he's at his best, right? When there's right. less time to right. think, um, you know, he becomes a, just a devastating finisher, mm-hmm. even though, like I said, I, like you were saying earlier, I'm not sure that he meant to shoot, you know, he meant for that to be anything other than a cross, yeah. but Hey, we'll take it. Well placed. I mean, it's either going to find the, probably the right foot of Carlos Vela right there at the back poster is going to go in. So you won't hear me complaining about it. Um, but overall, I do think it bodes well for your idea that this is just going to be this kind of free flowing um, and interchangeable front line. And with the talent that's already there, it's going to be pretty devastating. I think there are some rumors about Rossi going to, I think it was Fiorentina, right? Saying that uh, they're interested in buying him. Yeah, I'd have a hard time believing that the team is going to give up on him uh, or going to give him up, I should say, before the winter window. Maybe if it does happen this window, it's a, they loan him back to us or something for the end of the season. But we'll see what happens there. Yeah, I don't see him leaving. I think I think you're right on right on with that one. If he if he does leave at all or if they do on selling, I don't think he leaves a team until until the January until yeah. January. And I for those out there who. I mean, I, I love him. I've talked about how much my kids love Rossi. Um, but he is he is the kind of player that teams are going to be look be looking to purchase and then sell on, at least MLS teams. And uh, I think that was probably always the plan with him. Um, and it, you got to be mentally prepared for when it happens, mentally and emotionally prepared, because one of these days they're going to get an offer and they're going to they're going to move him. Um, and I, I again, go ahead. Well, I think that's important. It's important to know because I think we we I think Mark Anthony K had made um, you know a comment similar where you know I think some of our guys are starting to get offers from overseas given how well LAFC has been playing right like you see what they can do in a free flowing free flowing system you know and in an offensive minded system and so you're of course you're going to start getting looks for some from some of the bigger clubs in the world or even some of the lower you know some of the you know mid table club mid mm-hmm. and low table clubs but again for a lot of these guys Europe is the dream. Right, that all a lot of them have been have been wanting to make, and you know, as much as we would like to think that, you know, LAFC is you know is that big of a deal in the worldwide stage, you know, maybe it will be eventually, but at this point, the league in itself, right, is is more low, you know, is a lower end league, you know, right, um, you know, we're not even the best league in our own you know region, right? That's probably mm-hmm. Liga, Liga MX. So you know, obviously, we have a long way to go in terms of solidifying you know, our place in world football, but you know, it's a good start so far, but again, like you're right, it's something to expect likely probably going to happen again, um, you know, with Rodriguez in the next year or two. Um, but again, it, I think the the one constant is going to be Carlos Vela and how we can pl- put guys around him and how he's able to develop people. But again, if, if Bob, you know, Bob trust him to be the messy of the, the group, you've seen how many people come, come and go through Barcelona and he always makes mm-hmm. other people around him better. So again, that'll be, you know, again, I think that's the hope and what we're attempting to do here at LAFC. Yeah, absolutely. So let's go ahead and move on from this um, before we get too bogged down and <laughs> what's going to happen in the, in the off season. Um, going to move on to my big conclusion tonight. It's a bit more of a rant. I'm going to stick up for a boy, Vince LaRosa. You already mentioned 
mentioned him at LAFC Vince. Uh, he took some pot shots from uh, Revolution Twitter for whatever reason. Um, he apparently hit the right nerve when he was talking about the turf there and got called out by some guy uh, who called him an amateur journalist because he was complaining about turf and said he was leaning on a on an old and tired narrative. But this is not an old narrative. It may have, you know, may have been around for a while, but this is this is important. And Josh, you mentioned that the league isn't quite there yet in terms of stature. And this isn't the main reason why. I think salary cap and number of eyeballs on on all these teams is is a much larger re- reason. But in terms of players making decisions and where they want to play, um, having turf on so many fields is a detriment to the league. And it's a detriment to our national team as well. It's not just, you know, it's not just Lata not playing on turf whenever he goes somewhere or, you know, whichever name, name the big aging star that doesn't want to play on turf. It's also the U S men's national team. Isn't going to play anywhere in a place like Portland, where I think that could become a fortress for us or Seattle. Um, the women's national team is forced to play on a lot of these uh, surfaces and they complain about them. But according to at deep in the fort on Twitter, it doesn't matter because they have the, let's see what he called it. Let me see if I can get this right. The revolution 360 drainage system or whatever the heck it is. I don't want to hear about turf. It's much different. If any of you have played on grass and turf, you know how different it is. The ball bounce is bad. It, uh, it, it doesn't play right. Um, and you can't ever blame a loss or a bad performance on it because you're a professional and you're expected to perform wherever, but this is a bit of a stain on the league. I think Josh, what are your thoughts on artificial turf? I think, I mean, here's the thing I was writing for angels on parade, doing some of the, uh, on the medical side of things, you know, um, I was, prepared to go full in on you know the how much how bad turf is in terms of from the medical Mm -hmm. side of things um it just you can get into the just the pure physics of it it's it's actually just harder on your knees because it the amount of force that returns from 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 the turf in itself right which is unfortunate you know but at the same time at the same time like you're saying it's not never a reason to complain about i mean to put a loss on it or those types of things but the the unfortunate thing, and I was speaking with someone about it today, right, is that owners like Bob Kraft, like um, the Seattle owners, right, they're basically who bankrolled the league through some of its worst mm-hmm. times. Mm-hmm. So getting the turf out of the league at that point is never going to be a thing, right? It's just weird to me that places like Portland, um, you know, who have all the rain in the world, you know, and can and can easily have an amazing grass field somehow have still have turf there um you know but you know far be it for me to understand those those types of economics and some of those things but you know at the same time like it is one of those things where from a medical perspective it is a little bit harder on the knees you know again if if anyone's had turf burn Mm -hmm. it's terrible right it's like a rug burden times a thousand sydney sydney larue in the last world cup cycle i think tweeted out a picture about having to play on turf and it was like just this road rash all the way down her leg. Um, well, yeah, there, I mean, there's a reason why part of the, part of the CBA for the U S women's national team 
you know, big con- point of contention in the in the last CBA was trying is to hopefully never have to play on turf mm-hmm. ever again, right? And that was, I think, another part of the you know now this ongoing lawsuit where you know the men don't have to because again, I don't think FIFA ever schedules them to play on turf um, versus the women have to. And then I think in especially during the summertime, um, the turf can get up over a hundred degrees, Hot, yeah. right? So your your feet will you know. Like, I don't know what the situation is at New England. Is it an open stadium or is it closed? It's open. Yeah. So at that point, right, it's been hot all day. I don't know what the weather was like in Boston today, but it's likely warm. It, you know, it's still August. And so at that point, like we're likely to see that turf be a little bit warmer than it would be. Again, there's just, it's just not, no one wants to play on it. Right. And then again, it is, are there other are places in the world that have it? Yeah. Is it ideal? Absolutely not. Right. And at the same time, that field is likely not at in perfect condition, mm-hmm. right? Because they're going to wait until new, until the Patriots need it to be ready before they maintain it properly. Right. I can't imagine they're maintaining it all season for the revs. So again, and that's the, that's the other part that usually leads to a lot of issues is maintenance of the turf in itself. Right. right? right. But I will say uh, in defense, all the LAFC fans don't help. Don't hate me in defense of Portland. Uh, I do believe they still have the turf because they don't have exclusive rights to that stadium. I think there's a college football team or something that plays there. Um, so I think that's why they can't swap it out. I Again, my hope would be that eventually that becomes a, a fortress for the United States men's national team. Um, but until they get some grass on there, it's not going to happen. Uh, it was funny. I was talking to a friend of mine um, who is a big timber supporter and I had mentioned something about the turf there and kind of along the same line of like, man, I really want the U.S. men to play there. And he was like, oh, man, it's basically the same. It's like really high quality turf. So it's kind of funny to hear all the defensive takes on <laughs> on this subject from people who uh, probably should know better. But all right. Well, enough about the turf already. Um, I'll get off my little hobby horse here. And. One thing I do want to go back one more time and apologize to Latif Blessing for tweeting out about your finishing ability. Uh, the goal was fantastic. And the way that he was able to buy time um, to let a defender make a tackle, fake the goalie, and then finish with his left on a, on a – I think he chipped it over the goalie. Um, it was a great finish and a great pass from Jordan Harvey as well. Both fullbacks were – pushed way up into the attack and also central, which I thought was interesting uh, before Harvey pops out to receive the ball from Atuesta. Um, but yeah, really- if you ever, I would say if you ever want to understand exactly how LAFC is playing by the book, um, Pep Guardiola confident or Pep confidential, it basically just explains all of Bob's um, tactical thoughts. <laughs> so there it is. There you have it. What we need to do is we need to find out, we need to find out how to create one of those Amazon accounts. So we can just start uh, pimping out a bunch of books. Oh, there you go. <laughs> um, all right. No, but his close control on that goal was incredible, right? His ability to just not lose the ball. And we see it in the midfield a lot, right? And sometimes mm-hmm. he'll do it in the corners, which is a little bit, you know, a little bit freaky sometimes. But at the same time, right, in, in the opponent's box, you know, it's like I said, it's a sight to see because basically had like three or four guys go flying, pa- flying past him and then finish that thing off. Well, and you can see, I mean, he, guys get really frustrated because he is so he is so slippery, even in tight quarters. It's hard to it's hard to tackle him. Um, and he took a I don't remember 
which player it was, but he just takes this vicious two-handed shove uh, by a clearly frustrated defender at some at one point in the game. Um, and I do agree that's like his that's like his number one skill is being able to just stay on the ball um, and and get away from one, two, or sometimes even three defenders. Yeah, you just don't want to see him do it in the corner on our in our in our own um, in our own half, right? No, no, especially if nobody's marking his lots on the back post. Absolutely, yep. do not do that. <laughs> Okay. Um we did I I did put out a call for for questions. Um apparently we're not quite popular enough yet to have a whole lot of responses, but we did get one. So here it is. Let me find this thing again. Uh from Incha del LAFC at Sona LAFC asks us, would you put Blackman or Silver to cover for Zimmerman next game? I assume this is because he must have already had four yellows coming into this match and picked up a fifth, right? I, I believe so. So, Josh, I'll kick it over to you before I give my thoughts on it. At this point, I'm probably more likely to go with Blackman, right? Um, we've seen his ability to play in the middle next to Segura already during um, during Open Cup run, and so I think there's definitely a familiarity with with you know, with the rest of the back line, as well as with the keeper. Um, you know, again, it's probably something we'll probably have to discuss is Tyler Miller reprising his role there with, with ah. Susnega being out. But, um, but I definitely think, you know, given, given the communication has been the one thing that had been lacking um, mm-hmm. over the, in the last game and then how well it, it looked tonight, right. Even on, even on plays where you thought that new England may have an opportunity um, they were able to close things down, and I think you know Miller and Zimmerman just looked like they were able to direct traffic a little bit better mm-hmm. at this point. You know, just given their relationship, and so I think um, Blackman is likely the person to come in. Plus, Silva's coming off of a hamstring and then subsequent um, sciatic nerve irritation issue, um, and again, he he just was removed from the injury report this week. So you know, again, he he's looked better, but again. This was the first day he'd been available for over the last couple of weeks. So I wouldn't expect for him to come in and play 90 right away unless something happens where he's where they absolutely have to have him do it. But, you know, as I said the likely likely based on just a lot of different writers, I think Blackman will like be likely be the person that slots in there. Right. Uh, the one thing I will say is our next match is next Sunday against uh, Red Bulls. And given that. I, again, I haven't watched a whole lot of their games this this year, so I'm not sure what their press looks like if they're pressing the center backs all that much. Um, the narrative, at least on Silva, again, I don't think we've seen a whole lot of, enough of him this year to make to draw any real conclusions. But the narrative has always been that he's calm on the ball and a good distributor, which I could see. I could see Bob going to sort of veteran hand if he feels like the the Red Bulls are going to press. Uh, super high and put a lot of pressure on the center backs. But I do agree that I think Blackman gives you a little bit more uh, in terms of speed and, and communication, just kind of that, uh, that awareness and, and comfort with the rest of the back line. Um, but since you've mentioned Tyler Miller, uh, let's move there as well. While we're talking about communication, I definitely felt like Miller had a fantastic game. Obviously it's a shutout. So, I mean, there's there's no goals to talk about, but I felt like he was always in position. I felt like a lot of those, uh, there weren't a whole lot of 50-50 balls where it's like, is the center back going to get it or is Miller going to come out and get it? Uh, wasn't afraid to come out, cleared a couple headers out of the box, I think, as well. Um, so 
to me, he looked good. And like the Tyler Miller, we all know and love. Yeah, I think the one thing I think to note is that he was decisive, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And I think last year that was one of the things that you 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 could always criticize him for was there was times where it's like he wasn't sure whether or not he was supposed to go after certain balls or not or whatever it may be. And Tisniega definitely had done that a couple th- in, times in the in the previous game against Atlanta. And so, you know, it was nice to see him, you know, again, whether it was a low cross and he was going to come diving out, even with a guy on rushing and him potentially getting wrecked, Mm -hmm. you know, he was still, you know, more than willing to go, you know, to drop in there and and put his body on the line to make, you know, to make a save or to just to get on top of a ball. And so, again, and then you could just see his ability to direct traffic, you know, to have that, have that, um, you know, relationship with Segura and with, with, you know, and more so with Walker Zimmerman, especially since he's the guy that tends to get a little bit farther forward and play some of these balls over the top. Um, just giving them direction and having eyes on, on, on what's going on. You know, it was, it was nice to see he had a great game. That's probably the best, you know, in the best game where he didn't necessarily have to make spectacular saves that I've seen from him right, in a while. Right. Right. Just a professional commanding, um, performance distribution you know. looked so, good. Again, it's good yeah, to see. I mean, he there were a couple times where he's able to draw in a an attacking player from the Revolution that's coming in and you know trying to put press on a uh, uh, pressure on him, and he's able to calmly pass it out to Zimmerman who jump starts the attack. So I do agree. So, all right. Uh, last thing I want to mention before I kick it over to you for any final thoughts is the Boston commentators actually discussing with Carlos Vela on the field whether or not Carlos Hill is an MVP candidate. And I couldn't stop myself from laughing, Josh. Um, I get it. They have to talk about something, and they got to make their DP signing look good. But uh, we all know what's happening at the end of the season. And even if even if Vela goes down, Heaven forbid, knock on wood. Even if he didn't play another game this season, he's the MVP. Um, and I don't think you are going to find any dissent from anywhere. What do you think? Here's the thing. So, you know, given I don't have YouTube TV and I'm out of, I'm in, I'm in the blackout area, right? I'm So I'm watching it on KVMD, which is the Spanish broadcast. Mm. And my Spanish understanding is more or less limited to physical therapy mm-hmm. words. So I can understand a fair amount of it, but at the same time, it, I still when they speak really fast, I start to get lost a little bit, right? So I tend to listen to it or watch the game on mute um, just so I can kind of just pay attention to the tactics, see what's going on. I honestly didn't even know he was in the game, you know, until sometime in the second half when someone fouled him. Gustavo Bo, Gustavo Bo right, their new signing, he actually, you know, jumps out at right. you a little bit, right? Because he makes plays. He's laying off these, like, one-touch back heels, all these, you know, some nice ideas, these different things. Gil, on the other hand, again, just seemed to disappear for, you know, lar- and again, I didn't really notice him doing much until sometime in the second half, right? When they're already chasing, you know, I think, two goals at that point, and he's starting, you know, they're having to push numbers forward a little bit more. But again, it wasn't, it, he didn't, he just doesn't flash off the page. No. No. Right. And again, I think given if you're trying to take the MVP away from Carlos Vela, right, you have to be at minimum Joseph Martinez, yep. right? Or Zlatan or some, one of these guys who are who are just flashing off the page with these moments and doing things that no one else can do in the league. Mm-hmm. Right. 
And at this point, those are probably the only three guys that you can truly say that about, right? That are giving you things that no one else is really doing. So let me let me add a little bit more to why this is so uh, such an easy decision when it comes to making Vela the MVP. Um, I think I mentioned in the last episode that he is now at 20 goals and 10 assists. And that's only happened three other times, or at least maybe four times, but with three different players. And that's, uh, it was Latan last year. It was um, Diego Valeri and then uh, Sebastian Giovinco. who has the record for right. combined. And he's got the record, right, which is 37, 38. correct? 38. 38. And I think Vela right now is at 22 goals and 13 assists. Yeah. So he's at 35. So he's, just three so he's going to pace. break that. And again, this 20 and 10 uh, thing has only happened so many times with so many players. And it's not unthinkable to say that Carlos Vela is going to end with 30 and 20, which would give him, you know, a total of 50 goals, which is absolutely absurd. Um, And again, we're lucky enough to have him. So to whoever was... I mean, Bob did tell him to do his best Leo Messi impression. I don't think he's messy yet, but uh, he's doing... He's doing pretty good, you could say. Pretty, pretty good, uh, as our friends on the internet would like to say. Anyway, Josh, is there anything else that you want to get to tonight? No, I think that's pretty much it. You know, in terms of our quick reactions, we'll obviously be back, I believe, on Wednesday is our normal re- has been our normal release date with the next um, with a full analysis, and at that point, we'll go deep dive into you know some of the buildup, how some of these things go. Um, really just take a, a really hard look at what we did differently from one game to the next. Obviously, you know, the teams we're playing are going to be a little bit different. So we're, it's going to be a different approach and different thing. But, you know, again, we want to look in there, see what we're doing differently, see how things have been changing begin because things did definitely look much better from this game comparatively to the last and obviously the one before that. And so again, you know, we've, we've, ten, we, Fortunately for us, we've been able to bounce back after most losses and start new winning streaks. And so hopefully mm-hmm. this will be that next, you know, that next run that we go on heading awesome. into the playoffs. So my parting shot is Bruce Arena. This was for Trinidad and Tobago. My team just came in and ended your little unbeaten streak against the likes of FC Cincinnati and Orlando and a couple of the other bottom feeders. So this is payback, my friend. Josh, where can we find you on Twitter? LAFC Josh, we're usually talking about some injuries and other things like that, but you yeah. You can find the find show at counterpress underscore on Twitter. You can find me at Kurt Kinsey. You can also email the show at thecounterpressshow at gmail.com. And be sure to find us on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, and a couple other places that I'm blanking on right now. But find us there, subscribe, and keep listening. And we will see you all next time. Bye.